So thank you so much for being here today. And over the, thank you, Chris, for that. Appreciate it, man. You know, for the last several weeks, uh, we've been looking at how man was created in the image of God. And the theological term for that is the Imago Dei. And, and the Imago Dei is a biblical revelation. And it reveals that man is in God's image. Now, now we've all uh, been able to be in the country or be in the mountains and look at, uh, at stars or what God has made. And it's, it's always inspiring to do that. I, uh, it's so funny. Uh, uh, my son and a group of his friends figured out that in Kenton, Oklahoma, that you could drive to Kenton, Oklahoma. It is seven hours from here. Can you believe you can drive for seven hours and still be in Oklahoma? Yeah, but you can. And Kenton is seven hours away. And they figured out that that is a place in Oklahoma, in, in the, really the United States, that has the least amount of light pollution. And so you can see stars like nowhere else. Uh, it's one of those places in the, in the United States. And uh, so they said, we're going to Kenton, Oklahoma, and we're going to camp out and look at the stars. And they did. They, they trucked it seven hours, but forgot one thing. They forgot to look at the weather, and it was cloudy. So uh, it was kind of a bummer. Um, so I would recommend if you go to Kenton, Oklahoma, check the weather. Okay, it's just a little piece of advice. But, um, but you know, when we look up into the sky, we see how amazing creation is. But here's what the Bible reveals that the pinnacle of creation is humanity. We are the ones that have been created in God's image. And, and, and to be created in the image of God means that we're like God. We represent God. And I think that's an interesting biblical revelation of all the magnificence of the world. It's you and I that have been created. It's humanity that, that is, reflects God reflects God's image. Now, it's interesting as you look at all the voices coming our way in culture and society, uh, we, we get all these voices of division. And there's this push to divide. And in and, and humanity, uh, we need to understand how God made us. We need to understand the intention of this, the, the, what the Bible reveals. And, and we're, we're divided by male and female, it seems like. We're dividing in these ways. We're, we're dividing by race. And that's why we've been looking at the Tulsa Race Massacre, that tragedy that should never happen again. We're, we're, we're often divided by country, and we look at, uh, at other countries with suspicion sometimes. And, and we're sometimes divided by political parties. I mean, this is prevalent in our world. There's such a division and viciousness that we see. We, we get divided by economic status. Oh, you're not in my status of economy or whatever. We, we're divided by language sometimes or by friends or enemies. And, and, and when we really understand the scripture, the biblical revelation that, that God's plan for humanity, though humans are, are, have distinctiveness to us, we have uniqueness to us, God intended it for us to be, God made us in his image. And we need to understand that all humanity has been uh, created that way. And, and when we understand that, I, I think we understand how we should act in the world. And think about the, uh, what it means to, to understand man in God's image. Um, man in God's image shows that, I mean, it's, it's humans. We have the intellectual ability. We have the ability to, to use our minds and to think and, and to, to, to we're, we're 
compelled to figure things out. And I think about so many people in Tulsa in our community, we can fix airplanes. I'm thankful. I always fly American because it's our guys that fix those planes, right? And so if it crashes, they're going to feel really bad that their pastor crashed in an airplane. Um, but, uh, but, but I trust these guys. We, 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 are, we are intellectual. We have intellectual ability. That's, that's what are, part of what it looks like to be in the image of God. Being in the image of God, we, we make moral decisions. We, we know what's right. And we, 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 as, we have this just inner drive in us to go, that's right or that's wrong. And that's that image of God in us, that we're moved to make moral decisions. Being in the image of God, we're creative. We have this creativity. We make music and, and we, we, we make beautiful art. Uh, we, we build buildings just because we can and, and, and make them creative. And there's so much design and creativity. That's part of being in God's image. Uh, Being in the image of God, we have a spiritual awareness. We have an awareness of spirituality and and, and this reality that that there's more to life than just living and dying. And and even as as societies advance, we recognize that, that death is not the end. And we advance in society and we get so technical with vaccines and we, we, we create these medical advancements. But, but there's a reality to all medical advancements. Even the greatest of doctors will get to a point and say, I can't do anything else. And that moves us to this awareness that there's a spiritual reality of life. And this is part of being in God's image. And, and, and as we understand the image of God, we understand humanity. But, but let's, let's not miss the, the reverse of that. As we understand the image of God in man, we also come to understand God and what he's like. Not just what man's like, we understand what God is like. And this is very important because when we start to understand what God is like, we begin to imitate him and act like him. And, and, and here's, what, here's the truth of, for all humans. When we start to imitate God, that's when life begins. That's why Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, and I'm going to give it to you the full, to the full. And, and when we as believers, as followers of Christ, imitate God, we bring hope to the world. Now, now 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2 is this interesting revelation that, that God challenges us to grow up in our salvation now that we've tasted that the Lord is good. And one of the, my prayers today is that, that this is a day we kind of grow up in our salvation. We grow up in our understanding of, of God's word. And, and what we're doing is we're walking through the doctrine of humanity. That's where we've been the last three weeks. And we've got one more week next week. And, and, and I don't want that word doctrine to scare you. Sometimes that scares people. Oh, doctrine. That's, but but all, that, all that doctrine means is, is it means a, a, a set of beliefs revealed in Scripture. And we need to know, we need to know what Scripture says. We need to know what, what the Scripture reveals about God. And so we need to grow up in our salvation. We need to grow up in our understanding of salvation. And so this morning, uh, let's process this for a minute, where we've been and where we're headed one more week. We we saw the very first week that, that man, from the very beginning, was created in God's image. And again, man had this, Adam and Eve had this unbroken relationship with God where, where they, they interacted with the Lord in complete unity. And that's, 
That's what we see in Genesis 1. And, and man was in the image of God. He, he had jobs to do, and he was interacting with the king of all kings. And we were, mankind was the, the, the greatest of creations. But yet then sin entered the world. The fall happened that Genesis talks about, Genesis 2 and 3, that the fall comes into the, into the world, and, and, and man sinned. They took the man took the bait, and, and then what happened is man was separated from God, and Adam and Eve were out of the garden, and they, they were out of this, they had a broken fellowship with God, and, and then we inherited this sinful nature passed down from Adam, and, and, and God's image was distorted at the fall. But then salvation comes. And Jesus, from the very beginning, in Genesis 3, he says to, to Satan, I'm going to crush your head. And he did. And he did crush his head. And, 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 and history unfolded. And Jesus entered the world. And salvation entered the world. And hope entered the world. And Satan was defeated. Death was defeated. And, and you know what that did? God began in humanity this this progressive recovering of his image. And this is why as believers, the only way to recover the image of God is to know God, to know salvation, to be saved. And the full measure of our creation in God's image is not complete all at once, though. Once we're saved, it, we don't just immediately go to heaven. We're not a complete product, uh, a, a complete, it's not a complete restoration of God's image. We grow into God's image, and we grow up in our faith, and this is important. We saw in Colossians last, last winter, we went through the book of Colossians, and we saw in Colossians 1.15 that, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If that's what we see in Jesus. He is God's image, uh, the image of the invisible God. In Romans 8.28 and in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, we'll look at that next week, that, that in Jesus we are being conformed into his likeness. And that's what's happening is God is working in us. He's conforming us into his image. Like, like the, a potter is molding a piece of clay, God is working in us. And, 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 and I'm thankful that in Scripture, God meets us where we are and he, and he grows us. And and so this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Turn back to Colossians. We studied this several weeks ago. But, um, but I want us to look back at Colossians 3 verse 9. And as, as we kind of try to understand the Lord progressively growing us up in our salvation. Would you stand with me and let's read verses 9 through 11. Let's look at this. Colossians, Colossians 3 <clears throat> verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, God is growing us into his image. And I I got to see this this weekend. And um, I I talked to one of our ambassador coaches. Uh, Ambassadors is a baseball team we started. I, I know I talk about it a lot, but some of you may be new and not know about this. So let me, you know, in, um, 
this week was a big week for me because um, on June 3rd uh, was the 19th anniversary of Justin Sullivan dying. He was a student in my ministry, and he was a top baseball player, and he was killed in a tragic car accident. And, and um, I preached his funeral, and out of that came the ambassador baseball team, which is an 18 and under baseball team that we started. And my goodness, we are in the 14th season. I can't believe it. And, uh, and we're playing competitive baseball, 18 and under, playing in tournaments. We have a team. And, 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 and this weekend, we had a, it's the Justin Sullivan Memorial Tournament this weekend. And you know that on the baseball field all weekend, God, the gospel has been shared. And baseball players have heard about Jesus. And, um, you know, uh, this weekend we, we were playing a team, and uh, it was a pretty tight game. And, and I, you know, we love Jesus, but, but we're going to pitch inside. That's how if, if we're going to do that. Um, if, the, if the second baseman's in the way and the rules allow, we're going to take out the second baseman because we're playing to win. We love Jesus, but, but we think it honors the Lord to try to win every time. And, um, and so this this team was mouthing off, and they were chirping, and, you know, it was a tight game, and it was kind of came to the end of the last part of the game, and all of a sudden, and, you know, it was kind of a tight spot, and we either needed to get a hit to win or strike out, we lose. And, um, and this, they were cussing at us, and our coaches kept saying, man, just kind of re- relax. Let's not mouth off. We gotta, we, keep in mind what we're doing, boys. We're, after the game, what are we doing? Okay, we're sharing the gospel with these guys. Okay, okay. So, so but, but you know, they're competitors. And when somebody's cussing at you and mouthing off at you, you want to say, you know what? God's going to get you, and I think he's going to use me to do it today. Um, and uh, that's kind of some of the attitude that we, you know, we're competitors. And um, so this pitcher, like, strikes out our last guy, which stunk, you know, stinks. It's better to win than lose, right? And, um, and, uh, and right when he did, he dropped a bomb, looked at our dugout, dropped a bomb on us, and, and our guys were mad. But they kept their cool. They walked out on the field and said, shook hands, hey, can we talk to you guys? And um, so they said, sure, sure. So they took a knee, and like we do after every game, win or lose, they shared the gospel. One of our coaches said, hey, we want to tell you about Jesus. We want to t- talk about. And the pitcher that dropped that bomb on us felt really bad. He felt he came up, kind of tears in his eyes. He's like, consider our coach, I am so sorry. He goes, I'm a Christian. And our coach's like, really? <laughs> you know? And he goes, he goes, how do you, how do you grow up? And how do you do that? Well, you guys did. And he talked about, our coach talked about how, look, you, Jesus changes you, and he, and he wants you to grow up. And, and, you, and you know what? When you really grow up in your faith, you stop acting like a fool. You act like a fool today, son. And the guy's like, I know. And, and you know, in Colossians 3, we recognize what God is doing in us once we're saved. That God is growing us up in our faith. And can I, can I push us today? Let's, let's push one another today to grow up in our salvation. And that's important for us. You know, so much happens when a person is saved. But, but the moment of salvation, what that starts is this progressive recovery 
of God's image in, in your life. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It's like, it's like my daughter. Yesterday was uh, the, the first anniversary of my daughter's wedding. She got married a year ago yesterday. And, and, and I, I'll never forget when, when Emily was telling me, I'm, I'm, Dad, I'm getting married. And, and, and I had the father of the bride moment. You remember that movie when she's like, Daddy, I'm, Dad, I'm getting married. And what the dad sees is this little girl going, Dad, I'm getting married. You know, yeah, that's what I see in Emily. I see, I see this little girl in the woman who's before me. Well, well, in our faith, it's the same. We should grow up in our faith. We should not stay young infants. And, and this is what this passage moves us to do. So let's understand salvation for a minute. Let's understand what happens at salvation. Point number one is this. Do you know that salvation produces a massive change in every life? Let's understand this. There's a massive change that happens the moment you're saved. Um, look at verse 9. He says this, Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You know, when, when you're saved, uh, there's this movement to say, I've got to put off my old self. Uh, I've got a new self. When, when you're saved, the second you're saved, eternal destiny changes. I want you to know that. I, I've seen this. I saw this recently in my office. There was a young man that came to my office, and we're sitting there talking, and, and, and he was talking about how, you know, I... I said, tell me about your salvation. He's like, yeah, I went to this class. I was like, whoa, time out. Salvation is not a class. Salvation is not a moment that you, it's not a box you check off. Salvation is a relationship with God. And, and we begin to break down the gospel, understand what the gospel message says. And he's like, I, I, you know, I don't know God like that. So for some, salvation is knowing about God. Like there, oh, there was a young man in my ministry in Council Road, in my, my student ministry, that played for OU's 2000 national championship team. And I would say, Barry, what's Bob Stoops like? And Barry would say, oh, man, this is what he's like. And so, so let me tell you something. I can tell you about Bob Stoops because I knew Barry who played for Bob Stoops. And Barry would say, you know, when he was mad at me, he would call me by my number. But when he wasn't mad at me, he'd call me by my last name. And so I knew if I heard 99, I was in trouble. I can tell you that about Bob Stoops. I don't know Bob Stoops. A lot of people know God like they know Bob Stoops. They know about him. But do you realize that when you are saved, you don't just know about God. You come to know him personally. And, and when that moment happens, your eternal destiny changes. 1 John five twelve says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And so it's important for us to understand what salvation is. Salvation is knowing God. It's a personal relationship with God. It's that 1 Peter 2.10 moment. And, and right in my office, I saw this young man experience a 1 Peter 2.10 moment. 1 Peter 2.10 says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And when salvation happens, your eternal destiny changes instantaneously. Also, when you're saved, a new birth takes place. You're born again, like, like I saw Emily be born again. I saw her be born physically. I saw her born again. And, and see, when you're saved, you're a new life, a new birth takes place. I, I love what First Peter chapter 1 says. He says, uh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, and kept in heaven for you. And this young man in my office just a few days ago, he, he experienced this new birth, this realization of what the resurrection of Christ meant, what, what the, the death and resurrection of Christ meant, and he trusted Christ into his life, and he was born again right in front of my, my eyes. It was amazing. And, and this is... Look at verse 10 in verse, Colossians 3. It says, and, and we, we, when we're saved, these things happen instantaneously. But, but then after salvation, what, what goes on, God's image begins to resurge in you. And this is, this, is what it, this is what becoming, growing into the image of God looks like. His image starts to, to, to show itself. As we are moved to put off the old self, to put on the new self. And look, look back at Colossians 3.10. Having put on the new self, look at this, which is being renewed. Notice that. It's being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And what happens as we grow up spiritually, Christians, we get this new nature. And right in front of my eyes, this young man got a new nature in his life. Now, he doesn't know everything right now. He was just born again. But, but as he comes to know the Lord, as he, as he continues to be renewed, and this is what's happening today, what God is doing in all of us today, he's helping us become, we're being renewed into the image of our creator. And, and, and we're starting to embrace Conviction, and, and this is what happens when you're saved. You, you, you begin to feel convicted. A good a high school friend of mine, a longtime high school friend, I, I prayed for him for years. Uh, he got saved after our 10-year reunion. And, and, I, I, and Chuck and I began a relationship, and we still talk a bunch. And, and Chuck was saying, man, Chris, I've got this new relationship with God. And, and he was like, uh, he was living with this girl. And I said to Chuck, hey, man, that's, that's sin. He's like, no kid! Oh my goodness! This is why I feel so guilty, because I'm living with her and I shouldn't be. And I, and I was like, "Yeah, here's what happens when Christ comes into your life. You start to you're being renewed into the image of the Creator. And this is what God does in us. We what do we do? We start to think like God thinks. And when we start to think like God thinks, it moves us to act like God acts. And what you see, the moment after you're saved, the fruit of the Spirit begins. And love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, these things start to increase. And, and this weekend was a really great opportunity for, for us as baseball players to, to realize, hey, I know you're getting mad, guys, but let's let the fruit of the Spirit work out here. Now, let's go play baseball hard, and let's do our best to beat these guys but let's not act like that. Let's let the, the patience come out. Let's let the fruit of the Spirit come out. And this is what happens as we walk with the Lord, as we grow up in our faith. And when I look at Colossians 3, it's such an important passage for us to, to, to catch the phrase that we are being renewed into the image of God, to the image of our Creator. Point two is this. Salvation produces a continuous recovery of God's image. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. He's helping us recover the image of God that was distorted by sin in, in that, we've been, that we were inherited. We inherited this sinful nature. And what God is doing, he's 
beginning the process of a recovery of God's image in our lives. I love how, how God gives us this new nature the minute we're saved. We have a new nature. We have a new desire. There's a new conviction. And look how Paul, serious Paul is about it. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. Don't lie to one another, he says. Come on, let's, let, let's talk turkey here. Then he, then he says, See, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. This is, there's some intentionality here. He's like, hey, see to it that you, you start to grow up in your faith. And when I look at us as a church, it's critical for us to grow up in our faith, grow up in our salvation, like 1 Peter 2 says. We've got to grow up in this. We've got to mature and press on to maturity. We're not to stay spiritually immature believers. We're to grow up in our faith. And this is what this... This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. This is what God is doing us and in us. And, and this is part of our church. We're pushing one another. We're, we're challenging one another to grow up in our faith. And, and, and what happens is the Holy Spirit, God gives you this new understanding as we look at his word. And, 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 and we understand ourselves. We understand God. And this is what, why understanding the Imago Dei is so important for us. Because it not only teaches about ourselves, it teaches about God teaches us about him. And, and we understand Romans 8.29 says, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined that famous verse to, become, to be conformed into the image of his son. And this is what God is doing in us. He's conforming us into his image. And this is why we lean into conviction. This is why we, we, we keep coming to worship. This is why we engage the word of God. We're being conformed to Christ as we come to know him more and more. And this is why I love what Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Verse 14 in Philippians 3, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. That we have a goal to grow up in our faith. And, and, and what is God doing right now? He's growing us into his likeness. And let me tell you, we, we've got to be believers that grow up in his likeness. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from, the, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, and God is growing us. We've got to feel this. And as I look at the importance of understanding the image of God in us, and what God is, how God is growing us up into his likeness, here's something we've got to grasp. Point three is so important that, that the recovering of God's image is active, not passive. That we are actively growing. We've got to actively grow in the image of God. We've got to grow up in our faith. And I want to ask you, are you growing up in your faith? Are you pressing on to maturity? Let me tell you something. We live in a world that is, that is getting further and further, more and more hostile to the teachings of God, to the Word of God. 
And as I look at our calling as a church, we're going to have more and more discomfort as we, as we engage a world that doesn't believe what we believe or doesn't think like we think. And so I, I would propose that, that, that as we see what's developing in our world, the call to mature faith is critical for us. We've got to grow up as believers. What does that look like? Can I give you four things of how we can put off the old self and put on the new self? What does that practically look like? Well, first, here's what I want to push us to. Start a spiritual evaluation process. Hey, what is your evaluation process spiritually? Do you have one? Do you have a process that you're going to evaluate your, your growth in the Lord, your walk with the Lord, like we did with our kids? When we, when they were, if you did this, when their kids are growing up and you say, stand in the closet and you mark a little mark on the, on the, on the door, oh, look how much you've grown this year. Look, we've got to grow up spiritually. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And, and as, as followers of Christ, we've got to test ourselves. We've got to examine ourselves. It's, it's right to examine your growth, examine your life. And, and, and we've got to be active in this, not passive in this. And let's pay attention to our spiritual growth. And as I, as I learned to do this, I, I asked myself about physical, I asked some physical questions. I've known some men and women that have just bailed on the Lord and struggled with their growth. And, and sometimes those are physical problems. Your body, I mean, I'm about to be 50 in a few days. That sounds really old. Um, it is. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, but, but you know what? My body is telling me something different as I approach that age. So we need to, you know, when I think about the evaluation process, some, sometimes we need to pay attention to physical issues. Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I, am I fatigued? Am I stressed out right now? These sometimes hinder your growth. You know, sometimes you need to take a nap. And there, there are emotional questions we have to ask ourselves. Am I hurting right now? Am I, am I angry with somebody? Am I resentful? Am I fearful? There are relational questions I think we can ask to, to evaluate our our. Or as a process, am, am I at peace with everybody? Do I have something against somebody? And, and there's sometimes relational struggles that keep us from growth. Uh, there are spiritual questions to evaluate. Am I relying on God right now? And I, and I pray we constantly ask ourselves, Lord, am I relying on you? Am I trusting in you? Or am I trusting in myself? Am I, am, I, am I just really focused on what I can do? Or am I, am I embracing what you can do? These are, these are evaluation questions. And I would challenge us to, to make sure we have an evaluation process. That's the first thing that I think would be helpful to learn how to 
put off our, new, our old self and put on our new self. Here's another, number two, second one. Um, when you think about, about growing up in our faith, I want to challenge you to take time to meditate on the Word of God. Meditate on, on God's Word. Sometimes we, we, we don't understand meditation for us, meditation may feel like, oh, isn't that what those chubby guys do in the orange robes and they just sit there and they're cross-legged and just like, oh, Muhammad, sing the same note and just meditate. No, that's not what meditation, according to Scripture, is. Meditation is not emptying your mind. Meditation is filling your mind. And, and this is the call of, of Joshua 1.8. It says this book of the law should not depart from your mouth. You should meditate on it day and night. And it says, so that you may be careful to do everything according to it. And, 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 and it says, for, for then you will make your way prosperous and successful. This is, this is a call that we have to meditate on the word of God. And I want to challenge us to, to do things like memorizing Romans 15, 13. And when you are memorizing it, that's, that's meditating on it. That, that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing you may, may, may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, when you meditate on the Word of God, what that does is it, it changes your thinking. It starts to, to shift your thinking, not emptying your mind, but it fills your mind with the promises of God. And what you'll discover is power and strength. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest tools of my spiritual growth in my life has been learning to memorize the Bible. And memorizing is hard. Memorizing takes some work, takes some effort. But, but I'll tell you, our, our faith is active, not passive. We're to, we're to push ourselves. We're to grow up in our faith. And I'll tell you, we've got to learn to be disciplined. We've got to learn spiritual disciplines. And, and I, I want to challenge us to, to consider this, um, this journey to growth, this putting off your old self, take time to meditate. On the Word of God. Third, third thing, learn to pray. I want to challenge us to learn how to pray. You know, I'll be honest with you, it's just been the last several years that I've been really learning to pray. You know, years ago, I, I went on a mission trip, and I was leading it. I was leading the mission trip to Mexico. And there was a lady on my, our trip, and she, she was a wonderful lady. She's a little serious for me. Sometimes I'm not so serious. I kind of joke around some, and, and she was always serious and kind of wore me out. And, um, and, and she would say, she got mad at me on this trip. She goes, Chris, hey, we're not praying enough. And I, and I looked at her, I said, Cheryl, let me tell you something. We're here to work. Um, we're here to work, Cheryl. We've already prayed. It's time to get busy on this mission trip because that was my mentality. And then I thought, that sounded really bad coming out of my mouth. That really sounded bad. And you know what God convicted me of? Chris, you're wrong here. Cheryl's right. And I've, lear- I've been learning more and more that prayer is the work we're called to do. I want to challenge you to learn to pray. Learn to interact with God. And, and Jeremiah 33 3 is a cool verse. And I, I've memorized it years ago because I was... Uh, uh, in school, I was always taking tests, and, and I thought, oh, man, I'm going to memorize Jeremiah 33.3, put it on the top of my te- test, because it says, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. 
And, and often I'd be taking a test going, Lord, I have no idea what's on this test, so I need you to help me and show me. And then God convicted me, maybe I ought to study, Paul. Uh, okay, that'd be a good idea. But, but think about Jeremiah 33.3. God's word says, call to me. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Do you realize that when you pray, God answers you? God leads you. God calls you. God moves you. That that we are called to this relationship with God that is real, that's personal, that, that is interactive. And this is why you can't miss salvation. Salvation is not jumping through some religious hoop. No, salvation is beginning a relationship with God. And this is why I pray that we recognize the power of prayer. Learn to pray. Last thing, embrace it. Consistent accountability. We're tempted to think that, hey, you know what? I can, I can get by by myself. I'm doing fine by myself. But here's the thing. We need one another. We need each other. I wore my boots today because sometimes we, we think, oh, I just got to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. We forget that Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls has not another to lift him up. And here's the reality. God never intended us to lick our problems by ourselves. We tackle our problems together. And and I'll tell you, when I look at what's in front of us as the church, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about engaging a culture and learning what God, trusting the Lord moving forward. Because the Lord's going to show himself faithful to us. But one thing that's going to be required is spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. And so, folks, we got to grow up in our faith. We need one another to do it. And I, and, I, and I think about the, I know some of us are still online, and we're grateful for the technology. But here's the reality. We, we, we can't neglect meeting together. we got to hear uh, Hebrews chapter 10 when it says, um, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And here's the reality of COVID. It's gotten some out of the habit of coming together. And and I'll tell you, we need to come together. It says, and we need to do this all the more as we see the day approaching. And let me tell you, we've got to learn to come. We've got to come together and be in accountable relationships. We've got to walk together. We've got to push one another. We've got to challenge each other. We've got to encourage one another. And, and, And I, you know, we're going to have moments where we're going to feel pressure like the ambassadors felt this weekend on a baseball field. Anger, like they felt. But they still trusted the Lord and came to, came to that pitcher's mound. Said, hey, can we talk to you? And they looked at those guys and they said, hey, we want to tell you a story. You know, on June 2nd, 2002, Justin Solomon was named Baseball Player of the Year for the state of Oklahoma. On June 3rd, the next day, he was driving westbound on I-44 right by, in between May and Penn, driving west back to Yukon, and 
a semi-truck was driving eastbound, and as they were driving, the back wheels of that semi-trailer broke and started bouncing across the median. It hit Justin's Jeep Grand Cherokee and killed him instantly. And we looked at, they looked at those guys and said, you know, at 11.30 that day, the head coach at OU called Justin and said, Justin, I want you to be a Sooner. But he died that day. And they looked at those boys in that baseball field and they said, um, you know, I want you to know something about Justin. Right now, Justin's in heaven. He's not in heaven because he was the baseball player of the year for the state of Oklahoma. He's not in heaven because he uh, went to Council Road Baptist Church and was involved in a youth group. He's not in heaven because uh, he was obedient to his parents and he honored his girlfriend and kept his hands off of her. That's not why he's in heaven. He's in heaven because there was a day in his life that he came to recognize that he needed a Savior. And those boys looked at, that coach looked at all those boys and said, I want you to know something. You need a Savior too. And that was true for every one of those boys on the baseball field. It's true for everyone in this room today. You need a Savior. And and many of us have come to a Savior and received that gift. Now, if you haven't, I pray you come to Jesus. Because let me tell you something, life is short whether you live 18 years or 85 years, life goes like this, doesn't it? It goes quick. But I'll tell you, once you come to a Savior, oh, He grows you. He moves you. So let's grow up in our faith. Let's grow up. Let's trust the Lord. Let's learn to pray. Let's meditate on the Word of God. Let's, let's have a system of evaluation. Let's push one another. Because I'll tell you, we, we live in a world that desperately needs to see mature followers of Christ. So let's get to work. Let's recognize that God is progressively moving us to look more like him. So how has God spoken to you today? How has he moved you today? Let me tell you something. That's not, that's the Holy Spirit powerfully at work in you, moving you to to overflow with hope. Ah, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing as you trust in him so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope or you may overflow with hope by his power. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and I pray you would continue to help us grow to look like you, to act like you. Father, may we, 
May you mold us into your image more and more. And I pray, Father, so many may have walked in the room today and they're passive in their faith. And Father, I pray that they'd be active. I thank you for how your Holy Spirit speaks and draws and how we saying that you're running after us, Lord. And Father, maybe there's someone in this room today that doesn't know you and you're And right now, your spirit is reminding them you're running after them. Move us, Jesus. Grow us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?